20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Happy Sunday. Happy Packers game day, more importantly. Welcome into an all new episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks so much for joining me. It is a Packers game day. Crazy to think that we are basically at the halfway point, at least at halftime of this game, we will officially be at the halfway point. And I'm sure the rest of this season is just going to go crazy, crazy fast. And before you know it, the season will be over for better or worse, maybe depending on how these next handful of games go. But this should be, I think, a mostly entertaining game. I think these teams are more evenly matched than they may look on paper, or at least based on their records. It's in Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's the you know probably just the better team here, but I don't think Pittsburgh's all that good. And I do think Green Bay has every right to be able to win this game. But this is sort of a, a bizarre game with two very bizarre teams. Neither of them really play uh, until the second half. So I'm really intrigued just to kind of see how this one goes. And if Green Bay can kind of be a bit more competitive on the road and just be a little bit more like they were against the Rams last week and show those signs of progress and a little bit more consistency than they had in the games prior to that. Now, before we get into our keys to the game and everything that I'm going to be watching in my final prediction, we did have some roster moves. I wanted to recap the injury report as well. From a roster move standpoint, Packers signed Innis Gaines to the 53-man roster. There were no other elevations. He was out of elevation, so he is on the 53. Remember, they did have the extra spot available from when they traded Razul Douglas away. They never filled that spot. So Innis Gaines now takes that spot. Makes all the sense in the world, A, because he was out of elevations, and B, because they needed depth in the secondary. You've got, you know, you had four corners left, basically, with uh, Jair Alexander very unlikely to play this week. More on that in just a moment. But that left you with Carrington Valentine, Keyshawn Nixon, Corey Ballantyne, and then Robert Rochelle. And that was it. So just getting another player who has the ability to play some corner, I think is really, really important in this game. He has that safety versatility, can be a core guy on special teams. Like I said, just makes all the sense in the world to move him to the 53 and make him a active roster player from here on out, at least unless they need that spot for something else once Jair Alexander comes back and then they can make that determination at that time. Meanwhile, Steelers make two activations as well. Trenton Thompson at safety, which makes sense because Minka Fitzpatrick is not going to be playing in this game. But maybe the more interesting one, Tariq Carpenter, former Packers safety slash linebacker. He is active this week as a linebacker. It's interesting because I got the impression that Tariq really did not want to move to linebacker in Green Bay. Once they released him, my sort of thought and expectation was that he was going to find a different team. Maybe that was willing to play him at safety, but he is activated in this game and he is at linebacker for them. Noteworthy, sure. I don't think it's going to make a major impact on the game. I don't think we're necessarily going to get a Tariq Carpenter revenge game or anything like that, but just interesting that he is in fact at linebacker for Pittsburgh uh, and again is active for this game. As far as injuries go, two pretty big injuries for the Pittsburgh Steelers. For all the interesting and, and sort of funny talk of how Green Bay is awful in the third round, one of their third round picks, Montrevious Adams, has actually gone on to a pretty nice career post Green Bay and is currently with the Pittsburgh Steelers. However, he is out for this game. So we will definitely not be getting a Montrevious Adams revenge game. He will not be playing in this one. Minka Fitzpatrick, the more important one, as mentioned, he will be out for this game as well. A huge loss for Pittsburgh. He impacts the game in so many different ways is that true ball hawking safety and is just capable of taking the ball away, making big plays, being an aggressive tackler, all of the above. 
Pittsburgh will very, very much miss him on Sunday, and Green Bay catches a break with Fitzpatrick being out. No other injuries of note for Pittsburgh, and everyone else on the roster seems set and ready to go for Sunday. We will see what the inactives bring for Pittsburgh, but no other injury reports uh, to note, again, other than Montrevious Adams and Micah Fitzpatrick, who are both out. Packers side of things. As I'm sure you all know by now, Quay Walker and Jair Alexander, both doubtful for this game. I would be beyond surprised and probably just shocked if either player is a go for this one. Neither player practiced on Friday, which is basically like your next step uh, or your your final step in order to be able to play on Sunday. Neither did practice. Jair, it was reported by Rob Domovsky, is not expected to go on IR. So at least it doesn't seem like this is going to be something that's like super long-term, but we have seen players who haven't gone on IR and then still are out three, four, five weeks. And, you know, the team was just playing it safe in case they did get back in time. I don't want to put any timetable on this, but I think the bigger thing is I would be very, very surprised and shocked if he ends up playing this Sunday. You can just tell from Matt LaFleur's you know, just kind of demeanor when asked about Jair all week. There's Jair's not playing this one. Let's just be real. I think the same is going to go for Quay. Not practicing all week. You know, basically couple that with the fact that Isaiah McDuffie had a really nice week last week. And I don't think they'll, uh, of course, if Quay was anywhere near healthy, they're going to have him out on the field and starting. But I'm sure the, you know, the play of McDuffie last week gave them a little bit of confidence that they can be a bit more cautious with Quay if they need to be because McDuffie did play at such a high level just a week ago. Meanwhile, a ton of players questionable for Green Bay, Kenny Clark, Rudy Ford, Josh Myers, Yash Nyman, and JRJ. Most notably here, your center, left tackle, and right guard, all questionable. Meanwhile, Rudy Ford, your starting safety, and Kenny Clark, the guy that everything is based around on defense, some huge players that are questionable. The good news is that all of them practice in some capacity on Friday. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're all going to be cleared and good to go for Sunday, but it is usually a better sign if they do practice and all of them did. I kind of expect them to play, but again, Green Bay could be cautious with a few of those players. You never quite know. They are notorious for being a little bit more cautious. I, I Like I said, I'm, I'm hopeful that all of them will be able to play in some capacity, but we'll have to just kind of wait and see for those inactives at 10.30 a.m. Central Time on Sunday. Meanwhile, of those though, I think a couple ones that are really interesting to me are Yash Nyman and John Runyon Jr. So if they, you know, they have been a little bit limited, they haven't been full participants in practice. Both of them missed Wednesday's practice. I think the question becomes here is, do you want to go with a banged up Yash Nyman or a healthy Rashid Walker who practiced all week at left tackle? And kind of same thing at right guard. Do you want to go with a banged up John Runyon Jr., assuming he's able to play? Or do you want to go with a fully healthy Sean Ryan? I would probably lean towards Sean Ryan and Rashid Walker. I don't know left tackle what they will do. And obviously just the injuries could play a huge part in that. But that one's a little bit more interesting. I think if if John Runyon Jr. is able to go at all, he'll get the nod at right guard. But I am going to be interested to see when they're warming up. And uh, I know Domovsky and, and Huber and those guys do a great job always in Schneidman of tweeting out who's the starting lineup in warmups. That's going to be one to keep an eye on. I, I don't know. Left tackle is the really interesting one, but I would expect JRJ to be able to go and probably get the start at right guard. All right, let's go into our keys of the game and everything I'm going to be watching for. Number one, not breaking any news here, Pittsburgh Steelers side of things, TJ Watt. And I go back to Max Crosby for the Raiders. Packers played a bad Raiders team on the road. And you knew going into that game, two players that you had to make sure did not beat you. Devontae Adams on offense, Max Crosby on defense. 
Adams did not beat Green Bay in that game. They held him in check. He didn't have a massive game. The Raiders offense was held pretty well in check. But on the flip side, Max Crosby wrecked that entire game. And to be fair, taking Max Crosby out of the game is easier said than done. There's no perfect solution for that. But Green Bay has to learn from what didn't work against Max Crosby to find a solution that does work against TJ Watt. And whether that means keeping an extra tight end right next tight to Zach Tom at right tackle to make sure that there is somebody there, I'm sure Steelers uh, and their defensive staff are going to be extremely creative with how they're using TJ Watt, maybe moving him around a little bit, but he has, uh, we know, a relentless motor. He has a drive to get to the quarterback and finds usually a way to get there almost every single game. And he is just an intense playmaking, big time performer. And Green Bay is going to have to find any sort of way they can to limit him. And like I said, whether that's keeping an extra tight end in, whether that's keeping a running back in the backfield and and having him chip on TJ, whatever it is. And I think it probably goes back to sort of their game plan over the course of the last couple of weeks and just getting the ball out of Jordan's hand sooner. They faced Aaron Donald a week ago and Donald didn't have a huge impact, not because he wasn't winning up front. He won on a variety of different occasions, but just because Green Bay was getting the ball out of Jordan's hands with efficiency and and more specifically, Jordan was getting the ball out of his his hands and finding his playmakers quickly. And that's going to be the difference to me. If if Jordan is kind of bouncing around and trying to continue to extend plays and and, all of it and just not getting the ball out of his hands and into the hands of his playmakers, this could be a long day because number two on my list. Let's just jump right into it. It's not just TJ Watt. Cam Hayward, Keanu Benton, uh, Larry Ogunjobi, Alex Highsmith, that group of defenders, really, really good too, especially Alex Highsmith on the opposite side. And while TJ Watt will get Zach Tom on the one side, Alex Highsmith on the other side is going to get either a slightly banged up or maybe even a little bit more than slightly banged up Yash Nyman or Rashid Walker, who has been basically benched over the last couple of weeks. And that is going to put a lot of uh, emphasis on trying to make sure that Alex Highsmith does not beat you as well, because all of the attention is going to be on TJ Watt. And this is, this is not new to Green Bay. This is a, a huge reason why Highsmith is having such a high level of success as well. When all that attention goes to TJ Watt and you have another really good edge rusher on the opposite side, guess what? That edge rusher is going to eat because they're not going to get those double teams. They're not going to get the extra attention. So you got to make sure that whether it's Rasheed Walker or Yash Nyman, they are doing everything they can and they are having their best possible performance because otherwise Alex Highsmith can beat you as well. And like I said, Cam Hayward, Keanu Benton, Larry Joby, those are not easy players to match up with on the defensive side of the ball either. And just making sure that they're not wrecking the game from the interior. And I'll just go back. Like last week in the Rams preview, I said the you know the way to beat Aaron Donald. It, there's no there's no Aaron Donald beater. You can't you can't just like say like we're gonna do this. The the way you beat him is by getting the ball out of your hands. Just as we kind of mentioned, that's gonna be a massive massive key in this one because again, if Jordan is holding onto the ball. It's going to be a really long day at the office for the offensive line. And don't be shocked if there's some, you know, sack fumbles and those sort of things because this Pittsburgh Steelers defensive front is good. They're physical, they're fast, they're intimidating, and they will get after the quarterback. And that's why I'm making both number one and number two on my list is controlling these players and making sure, again, Jordan's getting the ball out of his hands and the offensive line is having a really good day. Compounding that is all the injuries up front where. Myers, Runyon, Nyman aren't practicing uh, in full capacity through the course of the week. That's not going to make anything any easier for this Packers offense. All right, number three is stack success on run defense. Back-to-back weeks, 
where Green Bay has played not just good run defense, not just great run defense, like phenomenal run defense. Yeah, Highsmith and Royce Freeman and you know Cam Akers, and it's not exactly a who's who's a who's who of Pro Bowl running backs that they faced over the past two weeks. Green Bay's also made a name out of a lot of running backs that they've faced who have had career games against Green Bay's run defense over the course of the last, I don't even know how long at this point. And Green Bay going up against two teams that you knew wanted to run the ball, especially the Rams, because they didn't want to throw a ton with Brett Rippon. They were able to hold tight and really stuff you know, and stifle the run all day long in both of those games. That needs to continue to carry over. I do think that you want to make Kenny Pickett beat you in this game. Now, you don't want anyone to beat you in this game, but if you had a choice, I think you want to shut down the run and make it that Kenny Pickett's beating you with his arm. It's not to say that the Steelers don't have the weapons down the field to make you pay as well, especially when you've got a banged up secondary, but this game becomes a ton easier if this Packers defensive front can stay consistent against the run game and make sure that the Steelers aren't consistently and constantly in second and two, third and one, and just you know constantly in easy down and distance situations. If Green Bay can keep them in second and third and long, obviously it's always a, a key to success, but especially with Kenny Pickett at quarterback, I think that is going to be one where they'll have the opportunity maybe to get after the quarterback a little bit, maybe get some interceptions, some forced fumbles, whatever it might be, but they're going to have to make it so that Kenny's in third and long. And if they do that, again, I think that's an opportunity for Green Bay to get some takeaways and maybe even steal and find a way to, to win in this one in Pittsburgh. All right, number four, it has to come down in some capacity too. We just said, hey, let, let's make Kenny Pickett beat you. But you've got Carrington Valentine, a rookie corner who's starting, I believe, basically his third game this week. You've got Keyshawn Nixon in the slot, who is, uh, again, experienced at this point. And then your corner three is either going to be Corey Ballantyne or Robert Rochelle. And I say corner three, but that's going to be the starting corner opposite Carrington Valentine in, in base situations. You're, you know, Nixon's not going to kick outside. So he's just the true star slot corner, whatever you want to call him. So that other corner is really the number two. And Carrington Valentine, your rookie seventh rounder who wasn't even in the rotation a few weeks ago, is now your number one corner. Those guys have to find a way to hold up and it's not going to be an easy task. This is a good Steelers wide receiver core. Watch out for Kelvin Austin with his speed. I have a feeling Pittsburgh's going to try to get him involved deep. Deontay Johnson is no picnic. George Pickens, I promise you after the situation with Pickens a week ago, they're going to want to try to get him in the, you know, in the game early and, and him involved and getting some easy receptions early in this one. Those are all things that, those are all receivers that have the ability to win against really good corners in the NFL. And if you're playing your number three, number four, whatever it is, it's it could be a long day at the office. At the same time, Corey Ballantyne has come in in the past and played pretty solid football. I think it was against the Saints where he got the majority of that playing time. Carrington Valentine had a phenomenal week uh, a week ago, and obviously Keyshawn has been their starter all season long. I'm not like super excited about it. I'm not super confident in it, but I think that's definitely going to be one of the keys to the game is how these Packers corners, without obviously Razul and Buffalo, Jair out in all likelihood. You know, Eric Stokes on injured reserve. Without those guys, these guys have to step up and at least play serviceable football and make things at least as difficult as possible for Pickens and Kelvin Austin and Deontay Johnson and that entire Steelers wide receiver core. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Hey everyone, as we know, the Packers are currently going through some in-season blues, but if you're like me, you might be going through some end-of-season or holiday-season blues as well. I know for me, there's so much going on during this end-of-season rush that I feel a constant strain of pressure, anxiety, sometimes even loneliness. What I've personally found, however, is that through all of those dark and anxious feelings, therapy can be a bright spot and even something that I look forward to on a weekly basis. Talking through my concerns with somebody who is able to understand my struggles and suggest helpful techniques for dealing with those feelings has been a revelation for me in my own personal life. Through therapy, I've become a better version of myself, a happier person, a more thankful person, a more positive person, and those feelings of anxiety are far less prevalent and I have so much more enjoyment in my daily life. If you're struggling with something in your personal life and haven't had the opportunity to try therapy, maybe now's the perfect time to do so. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is entirely online, is extremely convenient, and is flexible to your schedule and needs. And all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash packaday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash packaday. Friends, welcome to busy season. There's school, sports, holidays, Thanksgivings, Friendsgivings, birthdays, anniversaries, meetings, meetings about meetings. You get the picture. Obviously for me, football season is the single busiest time of the year. And with it being busy and with the holidays coming up, we all maybe have a little bit of a tendency to maybe overindulge a bit. And it's really hard to stick with that nutrition plan with all the craziness going on. Well, that's where Factor comes in. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal service and can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all your holiday to-dos. Looking for calorie conscious options over the holidays that also taste great? Try delicious dietitian approved calorie smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. Need an extra boost to support your wellness goals and feel your best during the holidays? Try protein plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Whatever your need is, these meals are really, really good and I know you're going to enjoy them. So right now, head to factormeals.com slash packaday50 and use code packaday50 to get 50% off. That's code packaday50 at factormeals.com slash packaday50 to get 50% off. So many of you probably know that Damian Lillard was just traded to the Milwaukee Bucks, and as soon as I found out, I had to get opening day tickets immediately and I will be there at that game because I use game time and even got to use code pack a day for $20 off, which made it even more sweet. The process was so insanely simple. They have these flash deals and you can click on the different areas of the stadium to see which prices are available. You can see the actual view of the seats. It was hassle free and just super, super simple. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals as well. You can forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Event, get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without all the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Hey there, I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. 
With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right. Number five, they've got to do a better job of playing on the road. They've lost three in a row overall, and they're one in three this season. And two bad teams that they've actually, even you could argue just three, right? The Falcons, not great. And they lose on the road. The Raiders, not great. Lose on the road. The Broncos, not great. Although playing better since the, the win against Green Bay, but not great. And the loss on the road. And those are three games that should have been winnable for Green Bay, but they couldn't find a win. I guess kudos for getting the win in Chicago in week one. That's something, but they've been worse since that point. Now they've got to go on the road to Pittsburgh. This is probably their best opportunity to win, at least from the opponent that they're playing over the course of the next four weeks. And they got to find a way to get a road victory. Young teams struggle on the road. That's not, you know, that's a real thing. And this is a young team, inexperienced, and they got to find a way to get the the business trip out uh, and off on the right foot, find a way to win in Pittsburgh. And, you know, if they start out slow again, and if they don't play their best brand of football and continue to shoot themselves in the foot, all things we're still going to discuss in this breakdown here, uh, it's going to be another road loss. So they have to be better and it has to start earlier in the game because when they've played those poor road games uh, outside of Atlanta, who they actually played well early in that game and then collapsed late, Those are no matter what you got to play 60 minutes of football and whether you're starting early or finishing late, you've got to play all four quarters and make it that the opposing crowd or like in this case, the the home crowd is not taking over and you've got to silence that crowd as best as possible. The best way to do that, getting out to a lead early. So they just got to find a better way to play on the road and come away with a victory against a team that they have every opportunity and right to win a football game against. I'm not intimidated or super impressed by the Steelers team. And like I said, at the onset, I do think Green Bay has the opportunity to win. Number six, what can Green Bay get from Kenny Clark in this one? He's questionable. The first thing is he needs to be active. That would be huge. I think the really good sign here is no Jonathan Ford activated. If Jonathan Ford would have been activated, that might've been a tell that things aren't looking great for Kenny or at least they're concerned. There's no way, there's 0% chance that they would have gone into this game with just four defensive linemen. uh, And if Kenny would have been out and they know Kenny would be out, they would have activated another defensive lineman, whether it had been Jonathan Ford or Chris Layton or somebody. But the fact that he uh, they didn't means at least tells me that Kenny's going to be a go in some capacity in this game. But just because a player is going in the game does not mean they are 100% and does not mean that they are playing at the best capacity that they are usually playing at. 
And that's why I say, what do you get from Kenny Clark in this game? Said it a million times over, this defense often goes how Kenny Clark goes. When he's dominating the middle of that field, everyone around him is playing better. It makes the linebackers' jobs easier. It makes the edge players' jobs easier. Just he's the, the focal point of that entire center of the defense. And if he can play at a high level through the injury and not have issues, gives Green Bay a much better puncher's chance in this one. If he cannot, if he is not Kenny Clark, if he looks completely unlike himself and is getting blown off the ball, whatever it might be, or maybe can only play 20 snaps, that's going to be a massive advantage for Pittsburgh. Green Bay doesn't have the huge big behemoth guys inside to, to kind of play without Kenny. TJ can take on some of that role, but TJ can only play so many snaps as well. We saw him start to wear down at the end of last game as well by having to play a few more snaps with Kenny out. So I think this is a huge game for Kenny Clark. What can he give Green Bay? And what again, how many snaps can he play? Does he look like himself? If not, that's going to make things really, really difficult for the Packers. Number seven, again, some of these are always a little bit obvious. They kind of have to be, but I would get probably roasted if I didn't say them at the same time. Aaron Jones in this running game needs to be active and more importantly, needs to be functional. And the active part means that you got to continue to keep Aaron Jones active in this game in some capacity, whether that is through him catching the ball of the backfield, check down, screen passes, draw plays. I don't care how you utilize him. He has to be utilized, but more importantly, it has to be functional. And what I mean by that is against the Rams, it was extremely functional. It wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination, but it was very, very functional where you got the run game going, you were able to add in some play action, and that just made everything harder for the opposing defense in last week's case against the Rams. This week, you cannot revert back to where there's three, four guys behind the line of scrimmage ready to meet Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon or whoever may be carrying the football. Nobody's going to have success in that situation. And that's going to lead to a lot of second and 13s. And those are not situations that Green Bay can live in. So it's not just making sure that Aaron's active, but it's making sure that the offense and running game are functional and that he has the ability to, you know, even if there's a guy there and he like Aaron can make that guy miss more often than not, like he has an amazing ability to take it a gap over when one gap is filled and just skip over. And all of a sudden he's got a hole and he's gone. So those are things that, again, are going to go a massive, massive way in this game in order to decide this game, but it has to be a functional run game for Green Bay. And again, I go back to the injuries for Green Bay. Josh Myers, John Running Jr., Yash Nyman not practicing through the course of the week. Are those guys able to play? Are they healthy? Are they at 100% or at least close where they can look like themselves? And as we know, Josh Myers, Yash Nyman, John Running Jr. haven't looked great even at 100%. So if they're at 75%, it gives you a little bit of a chill down your spine. It's like, how is that going to look? So that's going to, again, be something that I'm going to be watching early and often in this one. Number eight, please, for the love of all things holy, stop shooting yourself in the foot. We know there's going to be some young rookie mistakes, uh, off, you know, offsides or a false start, and not even offsides. We're not even going to go down that road. A false start here or there. Uh, a drop pass here, there, and an accurate throw here, there. Th those things are going to happen. And that happens in just about every game. But you can't have the 10 penalties. You can't have the multiple turnovers, like the two fumbles that you saw a week ago. You can't have multiple drop passes, multiple errant throws. This has to be a lot more crisp. And you need to start seeing it get more crisp as the course of the season goes along. These guys are, again, and Matt LaFleur, is, to his credit, has spoken about this. This is not week one or two for a young team. This is now, you know, you're going into your ninth game of the year. You have to show signs of progress and you have to stop beating yourself. 
far more often in a lot of these games, it's not like Denver and the Raiders and some of these teams went out and just played great against Green Bay. Far more often than not, it was Green Bay shooting themselves in the foot and kind of going out and losing the game. Green Bay goes out and doesn't beat themselves. Pittsburgh's going to have a really tough time with this Green Bay team. And maybe Pittsburgh still comes away with the win, but I think it's going to be a difficult matchup. Now, if Green Bay goes out and shoots itself in the foot again and has the same sort of play that they did against the Rams, they're not going to beat the Steelers on the road. So this comes down to Green Bay not beating Green Bay. And if they can do that, they're going to make things extremely difficult for Pittsburgh. Number nine, attack an old friend of yours, Chandon Sullivan. He is giving up a quarterback rating of 118.4 when targeted so far this season. He hasn't been targeted a ton, so it's a little bit of a small sample size. But as we know, because we've seen Chandon in the slot in the past, he can be picked on, he can be attacked, and you can find success going at him. And I think Jaden Reed versus Chandon Sullivan is a an area where you can have success with. I would like to see some Christian Watson in the slot against Chandon. I'd like to see some Dontavian Wicks in the slot against Chandon. Those are matchups that Green Bay can win. This is a matchup that, again, Green Bay in the past when Chandon's been on the team has been susceptible to giving up big plays and big third downs because they other teams attacked Chandon when he was on Green Bay. Now Green Bay has to flip it the other way, make sure that they're attacking him and hopefully finding success. And again, 118.4 passer rating when targeted per pro football focus. Number 10, I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, but they cannot get out to a slow start. These are two teams that completely suck in the first half of football and then wake up. Usually it's Green Bay kind of in the third quarter. A lot of times it's the Steelers in the fourth quarter and both teams play their best ball at the end of the game. Well, you have to A, know that Pittsburgh does tend to wake up later in games. And if you are you know, only winning by three, or if you're losing or something, they're going to have a really good opportunity to play their best football in the fourth quarter and come back and win that game. Meanwhile, if you can strike while the iron's hot and make it so that they're still sleepy and not playing their best football and actually taking advantage of it in the first half, maybe get out to a lead. That's going to make things easier for your offense, your defense. Hopefully you have a little bit more ball control, can play a little bit more complimentary football. And that would go a long way in this one. So take advantage of the fact that there's another team out there besides you that completely sucks in the first half. And maybe this is the one that you can take advantage of and actually put up points in the first half. And if Green Bay can do that, then like I said, they're going to have a real chance to go out and win this game. If not, in like I still think this could be like a six to three game going into the middle of the third quarter or something like that. And it's it's there for both teams. But I just think that there is some opportunity for Green Bay to strike early. And if they can do that, it's going to make things a lot more hard uh, on the, the Pittsburgh Steelers and their opportunity to get their fans involved in the game and try to put together a, a game plan that is easily winnable, where I think Pittsburgh's probably feeling that they can go out and maybe do the same thing and win in the first half and find a way to victory. I think if Green Bay can get out early, they're going to hopefully stall that and again, kind of give themselves a much better chance to win. All right, number 11, from a Jordan Love standpoint, he needs to avoid the mistakes in this one. No Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, which is going to make things a lot easier from uh, hopefully avoiding mistakes standpoint because Minka Fitzpatrick can make even the best quarterbacks make mistakes. Jordan has to play a clean brand of football. As mentioned earlier, he's got to get the ball out of his hands, but he's got to make good decisions with the football. We've seen when Jordan is taking good care of the ball and making good decisions, this Packers offense is, is pretty clean. Uh, I know last week they fumbled a couple times, but those are their first two fumbles of the season. And if you win the turnover battle, you have every opportunity to win any game that you win the turnover battle in. And we know this team is not one that fumbles a ton. And if Jordan takes care of the ball, then maybe they're going to stay at zero. And if Green Bay can get one or two turnovers, they're, they I like Green Bay. If, if you told me Green Bay is plus one or two in the turnover battle in this one, I really like Green Bay's opportunities to win. But that starts with Jordan. He's His job number one in this one has to be taking care of the football. 
staying steady, staying calm, even keeled, which we know he can, but he can't go for these these crazy throws over the middle. He's got to just take a little bit better care of the ball, making sure he's accurate, not overthrowing wide receivers, which can lead to those safeties picking off passes. But that's, I think, Jordan's job description, A number one in this one, and usually most weeks, but just making sure you're taking care of the football and not putting it in harm's way. Last but not least, number 12, my no points left behind uh, uh, you know, philosophy on this one. To me, this is one where I do think this is going to be a close game. And if you're Green Bay, and this kind of goes back to shooting yourself in the foot, you cannot leave points on the field. And where I'm looking at this is missed field goals, missed extra points. And I think Anders Carlson's been really good with that overall so far, but you can't just assume anything. Outdoor stadium, Pittsburgh, probably a little bit colder and windy weather. I would assume that that's not going to be an easy place to kick. Maybe it is. Maybe it's just gorgeous weather. We'll see. But uh, that that can make things a little bit more difficult. You can't leave those points on the field. And then if you do get into maybe like a goal line situation where you go for it on fourth and goal from the one or whatever, you can't leave those points on the field either. And make you got to get in the end zone. Same thing like red zone efficiency or point opportunities. If you go for two, you got to find a way to get those two points. I just think Green Bay is going to be in a position where if they do their job in red zone field goal extra point situations, I think there's enough points to be had to win this game. But if they leave points on the field, again, whether it's via missed kicks, drop passes, whatever it might be, Pittsburgh's going to win this game. So I think Green Bay has to take complete opportunity of every um, just you know position that they have to score in this game. Whether they, Again, and the same thing goes if it's like fourth and three from like the 35-yard line. If you're going to go for it on fourth and three, rather than kick the 52 yard field goal, you need to pick it up and then get yourself in better field goal range or go and score a touchdown. If you leave the points out there, Pittsburgh will make you pay and you're going to end up losing this game by a point or two and really go back and be frustrated that you didn't get those points that you missed out on and probably cost you the game in the end. All that being said, I am going Steelers in this one. I'm going Steelers 17, Packers 16. I don't think this is going to be a super sexy game, high scoring shootout, anything like that. I do think Green Bay uh, probably gets a touchdown, three field goals. I think they have four scoring drives in them in this one, but just don't get the touchdown production. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh only three scoring drives, two touchdowns, a field goal, maybe even a game-winning field goal at the end. I guess I think this is going to be a little bit of an ugly game. Both teams back and forth a little bit. Every opportunity for both teams to win, but Steelers at home, I, I just I give them a little bit of an edge there. So I'm going Steelers 17, Packers 16. That is going to do it for me today on today's pregame show. Hope you enjoyed it. I'll be right back here tomorrow, breaking down the game, postgame show immediately after the game live here on the YouTube channel. Make sure if you have not checked out Packaday podcast memberships yet that you are doing so. Shout out to our all pro and hall of fame members, most hated Minnesotan, PJ Wynn, John Wild, Shea Dad, Arnaldo Espinoza, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Donald Lee, and Lori Lord. Subscribe, like, comment, do all the great things that you guys always do. Cheer on a Packers victory. I'll see you tomorrow right after the game. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go.